Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And what El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. Young, ground full side, he slides it into the nets. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa. Villa's a big clap mate. Gather round villains and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast produced by underagaslitlamp.com. Today we'll be taking a look back at the deadlock at Leicester City and of course looking forward to the visit of Norwich City this weekend and the return of our old gaffer, Dean Smith. I'm Andy, and I'm delighted to be joined today again by Craig. Good morning, Andy, and good morning, listener. It is Tuesday, April 26th. It's a delightful day, and um, it's nice to be talking about Aston Villa on the back of what I would characterise as a positive result, Andy. Yeah, it certainly felt uh, felt more positive than perhaps we thought it might be if this had been the case but I think we've been we've been just wanting the uh the rot to stop really um you know as we discussed last week the the, the significance of this match could not really be understated um as Steven Gerrard faced the possibility of repeating um the five defeats in a row which had ultimately led to Dean Smith sacking uh, in similar circumstances last November the team suggested that it would be Business as usual, really, the same approach um, with Leon Bailey uh, returning to the starting lineup um, to replace Danny Ings, who found himself again warming the bench. Next to him on the bench, there was a youthful um, looking group, as uh, obviously Carney Chukwemeka and, and Tim Urugbanum um, were joined by Tommy O'Reilly and Ben Criseni. Um First of all, th- thoughts on this team? Were you surprised at all? Yeah, I'm always surprised to see Leon the Biscuit uh, pop up for an appearance. Um, but I was pleased nonetheless. I mean, he played um, badly, probably it's fair to say, but no worse than Coutinho. But I think that uh, I would play him again, actually. I know we're not talking about the, the Norwich game just yet, but I would play Bailey again. I think that we need to see Bailey, we need to see Sansom, we need to see Traore when they're available um, in these last few games of the season to see if they're part of Villa moving forward. I think that um, there's lots of people defending Gerard and, and, and some of the lacklustre results by saying, well, Gerard needs to know about these players, he needs to learn about the players. I'm, I'm not sure I completely buy that. I mean, the man's been here since November, 21 league games now. We're, we're moving towards May and um, not to mention days, months on the training pitch, literally. I mean, I imagine he knows these players inside and out by this point. And if he doesn't, something's wrong. So, I don't know what more he can learn from playing Ashley Young rather than a Ben Criseni, for example. I don't know what more Gerard can learn from playing a Douglas Louise over a Tim Arrow-Bunham, who we're going to talk about in some more detail later on. Um, I don't know what more there is for Gerard to learn. Um, even the likes of a um, of Matty Cash. Is he going to learn anything new about Matty Cash? Should we try Chambers at right back or Conzer at right back and Chambers in the middle? I don't know. I think... Assuming that we win on Saturday against Norwich and run 40 points, it might be time to experiment a little bit more. Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I think in terms of the 
the team selection at the moment, I think they are just trying to somehow eke their way up to 40 points. Um, I think I've been thinking about it and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that maybe this is why we haven't seen too much experimentation from, from uh, Gerard. Certainly in terms of the younger players, but also just around the fringes, really. I think I think they're quite they're just quite keen to to make sure they get onto forty points, make sure they're safe, and then um, from there in the last last few games, and certainly you know we've got a, a sort of a run of home games as well coming up that they might be able to to you know have a, have a have a better look at some of these lads and and. And, and players and I mean I have to say you mentioned Sanson and you mentioned Traore I think Traore um, did I hear that he's possibly out for the season now um, I'm not sure if I've dreamt that or if I, if I did hear that um, but I think as well if there's there's strong rumours today that Morgan Sanson is pretty much out the door and, and on his way back to Marseille um, if you believe the rumours so um, you know how much of a an opportunity that they those guys are going to get um, in future remains um, remains to be seen. Really, um, I mean, the, the, the first half was was fairly even with with either side uh, struggling to make too many inroads. Um, Villa possibly had the better chance of the half as Ollie Watkins did excellently uh, to take. Full advantage of Fafana's misplaced header, which is unlike him. Uh, he's, been, he's been excellent for for Leicester uh, since he signed. However, his, his pullback was skied then by Leon Bailey. It was a glimpse of the type of fast, incisive forward play that we've been missing from Watkins, um, who was singled out for praise after the game by Gerrard. And whilst Bailey looked somewhat off the pace throughout, um, do you think these two could form a a dangerous-looking partnership um, if Bailey can get some of his match sharpness back. Yeah, I think so. I think um, the, the jury is really still out on Bailey. He hasn't been able to have a run of games because of fitness issues and form issues. I think it's fair to say that um, lots of people, myself included, had really high hopes for Bailey, particularly after that cameo against Everton where I think he assisted one and obviously scored a belter in a 3-0 win. Um, probably one of the last great days under Dean Smith. And um, we were all thinking, oh my goodness, we have a player on our hands here. And then unfortunately, he's, I think he's done his hamstring twice. And also in terms of the hamstring, this is probably one for Mark Jarobi in terms of having a, a more keen understanding of injuries. Um, Bailey doesn't, and, and lots of people point this out on, on Twitter, Bailey does not look fast anymore. Um, and I'm not sure if this is like a, a fear thing about tearing something or... Or, or what, but certainly there was some green shoots of of link-up play there, and Villa are going to need Bailey next year, and we're going to need Watkins next year, and um, we're going to need them to be firing on all cylinders, because let's be honest, the attack this year in general has been lacklustre. I saw a stat yesterday saying Timo Puki has had more goal involvements this year than any Aston Villa striker. Norwich are rock bottom, and they're absolutely awful, and Timo Puki probably wouldn't make the Villa bench, quite frankly. Well, he wouldn't. I wouldn't have him on the bench over um, Ings. I wouldn't have him on the bench over Archer, for that matter, Timo Puki. No offence, Timo, <laughs> banging a hat-trick now on <laughs> Saturday. Um, you know, he's a, he's a kind of journeyman for me, Timo Puki. And, um, and, and the fact that he has more goal involvements for the worst team in the league, 
than anyone at Aston Villa. Actually, is a bit of a disgrace, really. It's 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 a little bit embarrassing, Andy. Well, it it, it certainly seems like that, doesn't it? I mean, um, it, it's an interesting stat. Certainly, I imagine that Pukki is probably involved in every everything that Norwich do, pretty much, because he is. Uh, probably their standout player, certainly in the forward line, and we'll talk about Norwich um, obviously a, a little bit later. But I quite like the look of this um, this partnership with with Bailey and Watkins. And I hear what you're saying. I have heard other people saying this as well that that Bailey doesn't seem to have that that electric pace um, that we uh, we saw earlier in the season. Um, and I suppose it's that's part of him getting up to sort of match sharpness, isn't it? And knowing. You know, if he can trust those that you know those injuries and and so on, and you know, wh- you know how when he can sort of you know put the afterburners on and and that sort of thing, really. But it certainly looked. I, mean, I don't know what you thought. It looked looked like um, he was he was kind of playing um, up front, or did you think it was more of a a sort of front three like we'd seen seen previously with Coutinho on more off the left? It looked like a four three three to me, and it looked whatever it was, whatever you want to call it, I tell you, it looked a whole lot more solid than whatever nonsense Gerard was playing before. Um, but unfortunately, two of the front three, in, in, in whatever shape it was, and I do think it was a front three, and Coutinho and Bailey had really days to forget, and, and lots, of Villa play, lots of Villa fans were very angry, um, talking about team selection, about the uh, the, the, the absence of Ebi Buendia. I think one of the, the Villa uh, journos, uh, Greg Evans, reported on Twitter during the game that the largest, the loudest chant actually was was for Emi Buendia from the Villa fans um, wondering where, where the hell he was. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll, you know, we will sort of get on to, to, to Buendia a bit later because it has caused, um, you know, it's causing a little bit of a, a discussion point amongst the Villa fans. Um, but what about um, what about Ollie Watkins? Because he certainly had some good moments. Um, he was uh, singled out on match of the day over over here um, as being the, the probably Villa's main main hope. Um, but like you say, just just lacking that little bit of support when he got on the ball and and he was he was kind of um, facing the goal, sort of looking up and there's 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 no one there in support of him. Um, Certainly, the, the the move that I, I alluded to, um, where he got away from Fafana and, and and created that opening, a really great um, bit of vision as well. Great pullback for Watkins. These are things we we haven't seen from 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 Watkins too often, really, this season. And if he is going to be putting in those sorts of performances, you know, you want him you want him at the club, don't you? You want him you want him around the place because he's. He's, you know, he's he's very dangerous in those positions. I think it goes back to yes, he is. You're absolutely right, Andy. And I think that goes back to team shape again, because Ollie Watkins thrives in a four-three-three. We know that about Ollie Watkins. We know when he is the, he has the opportunity to pop up on the wings, and that's where some of his best play came from. The chance he set up for ba- Bailey was from the left wing, which obviously is a p- position that he played. You know, he's probably played a hundred games at left wing uh, for Brentford and Exeter. Um, not played there too much for Aston Villa, but that is somewhere that he's natural. And when he's when he's on those wings and when he's running the channels like that, and when he has support, that is the best of Ollie Watkins. I mean, this is the this is the thing that makes you scratch your head about the Gerard tenure thus far, is that 
he has been playing largely a system which doesn't suit players like Watkins, hasn't really suited players like John McGinn, hasn't suited um, Douglas Ruiz, certainly has, has, has got a bit of a raw deal. Um, it's exposed lots of the players. And I think Gerard's system generally has exposed Watkins' frailties in terms of his lacklustre finishing and, 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 and some of his first touches not being too clever. Whereas when he was given the opportunity to be the, 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 the having that opportunity to roam this kind of 4-3-3, I think we see Ollie Watkins again kind of back to his best. Um, should have had an assist again for Bailey. And he was just menacing throughout. So it goes back to the question I, I, I posed a couple of weeks ago, Andy. It's not whether or not the players are any good. And, and I'm not happy that these players are crap all of a sudden. They're not. Watkins isn't crap. Ings, uh, <laughs> Ings might be. Mings isn't crap. Um, Konza isn't crap. None of them are crap. Like Douglas Ruiz is not crap. Douglas Ruiz will be playing Champions League football before Aston Villa. Again, I've got £100 staked on it. Charity your choice, Andy, <laughs> if I'm wrong. Um, I'm that confident in it. So it's just that, that kind of frustration that Gerard has been in my estimation, playing a system which doesn't suit the players he has today. Almost that he's playing a system for players that he's going to have tomorrow. And obviously in the meantime, we were all suffering. Uh, Aston Villa are suffering in terms of being in such a lowly league position. Still not safe from relegation, which is really quite frightening actually, uh, considering the outlay um, on, on the likes of Ings, Bailey, Buendia, Coutinho for goodness sake. This team should be nowhere near relegations, re the relegation trouble that it's... that that, that um, I don't think we're in relegation trouble, but it's even be anywhere near it, Andy, is kind of alarming. So it just all goes back to what is Gerard going to do next year? Is this going to be a big squad churn? Are we going to see eight players out, eight players in? And if Gerard is going to be playing his his um, one of his fruitier systems, I don't think Watkins fits. So, I mean, it's really a dilemma as to what is going to happen next season because... Players like Watkins, players like Douglas Louise, players like Esri Conzeri, even, you know, really the spine of the Villa team for the last two years, they could be gone, Andy. They could be, and I don't know if we talked about this uh, last week, but the um, I don't know if you watched the Stephen Gerrard's interview on, uh, on, on Gary Neville's YouTube channel um, last week. I did. I listened to it while I was doing some gardening. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Gerard made the point that that when he went to Rangers, um, it, it was it felt like it was a bit similar. You know, he just didn't. You know, he knew fairly soon that he had to um, completely revamp the the first team squad, um, the whole lot of them. Um, and of course, eventually they went on and, and, and won the league, didn't they? So, you know, it was it was the right thing to do for them at that time. And uh, you just wonder whether he's got similar ideas here I mean for me it's you know it goes back and I keep mentioning I keep talking about this but it goes back to um to, to losing Jack Grealish and and um you know the the fact that you know obviously players leave and you have to move on and you have to you know find a new way forward and that's that's fine that's happened throughout the history of football but um it certainly has left a big crater in the middle of the team and and I think um well, the middle of the club, really, and I think I think we need to 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 quickly move away from that. Um, and I've talked about evolution, and uh, eventually moving, you know, in the direction of the point where where Grealish was never part of the team. 
Um, but I'm actually veering more towards revolution now and, 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 and hacking it to bits in the summer and seeing what, seeing what we've, we've got come August. And, you know, really that then will be on, on Stephen Gerrard, won't it? And, um, you know, that, that's then up to him to, to, to make us, uh, Make us a force again next season. Make us challenge um, because we need to. We can't. We can't keep having these, um, you know, these these kind of stuttering seasons. Uh, last season was was okay. We accepted it um, in the end. Finished eleventh, which was a bit below what we thought. Um, you know, but again, last season was a bit of a weird one because it was behind closed doors and it was all a bit strange. Um, so you know how much how much we we take from that I don't, I don't know really but but this season's just been um just been really kind of uh difficult as 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 a fan it's and, been awful yeah and and you know i mean i've made the point as well you know going back to to Grealish that if if you know i, I do i do think the the you know setting the idea of of or setting the target of uh, improvement on last season Having sold your best player, no matter who you bring in, I think is um, is a bit fanciful, really. And I think I think um, I think that was a bit a bit harsh. And I think probably Dean Smith paid the price for that in the end. Um, but I mean, you know, we, I guess we just see, don't we? We just see what what happens over the next um, the next few weeks and um, uh, till the end of the season, and 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 then obviously it's going to be quite an interesting. Interesting summer. I mean, you know, are you what are you, are you expecting a, a a pretty much a you know a hack it up and start again approach from Gerard? Yeah, I said I said last week. It's I think it's going to be scorched earth. I think Gerard's going to burn it down and, and try and start again. But my 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 thing is, and I said this last week um, on 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 the podcast, and I, actually there was a tweet from James Rushton over there at the Mail that summed it up. I think better than I did. In terms of, I was trying to talk about the Dinia signing and and the Coutinho signing and how we hadn't improved as a club, as a football team, even though we'd signed better players. And then you have to look at kind of team shape for that. And I think um, the, the 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 point that James Rushton made was something alluding to we changed the stained glass windows in the church while there's a big effing hole in the roof, which I think puts it far better than I I put it. Mm. So uh, mm. shout out to James Rushton. A good follow on on Twitter for Villa fans, by the way. Um, oh, he's a legend. And, he's um, a legend. And, and that, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know the guy. I hope to uh, yeah. meet him. Maybe we can record a show together soon. Yeah, wonderful guy. Um, um, so, and that just really sums it up. So, we're over here shining up. You know, it's kind of fur coated. No knickers is a is a saying that I've used before on the podcast. <laughs> you know, we're here buying French international left back and 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 Brazilian international forwards meanwhile we can scarcely cobble a team together in a coherent fashion and shape so my question to you Andy is I also spoke about last week about this being a bad season and lots of blame to be shared around the blame for Dean Smith and I said Dean Smith paid the price he's been sacked so he's paid for his sins the blame on Stephen Gerrard is not really sitting on Gerrard players are taking a lot of it, Langer's taking a lot of it, Perslow's taking a lot of it. So the question is, Andy, bearing in mind we are still not mathematically safe from relegation with six games to go, which is a bonkers thing to say, really, about an Aston Villa side with so much investment into it. With Gerrard's kind of 
patchy form. There's been good moments, there's been bad moments, there's been average moments. And he has Steven Gerrard earn the right to burn down this Aston Villa team and start again. Has he shown us enough to say that, yes, this is the man that we trust with perhaps our Premier League survival? And, I, and that's not me being hyperbolic there. If this goes wrong and he tears this thing up completely and starts again with 10 new players, we don't know how it's going to go. It might go fantastic. We might push towards the top six. It could also go very badly and we're pushing towards the bottom six. Has he earned the right to burn this team down and start again, in your opinion? Well, only as much as any other manager does. I mean, any manager coming into a, to a club would have that opinion, wouldn't they? And they, they might say, well, you know, some managers come in and they say, yeah, I can work with this lot and, you know, I've got a good system. I can, I can, I can get a tune out of them. You know, some will be a bit more, a bit more um, circumspect and they might say, well, you know, we, I need this and I need that. And other managers will say, look, sorry, uh, this, uh, this isn't happening. I can always remember, um, <laughs> way back when uh, when Ron Atkinson was appointed, uh, he took over from Dr. Joe, Dr. Joseph Engloss, and um, with pretty much Graham, Graham Taylor's um, team that had finished second in the league. But uh, Dr. Joe had got them to uh, the heady heights of, I think, well, just one place above the relegation zone the year after. And they sold David Platt, and uh, the funds came in for for a rebuild and Ron Atkinson was very clear I need I need new new players this needs major surgery or we we are going to we are going to really struggle and and he was backed to have that that judgment I mean he was perhaps a little bit more experienced than Gerard but Gerard's done it at another club very similar and and you know and and got got some success albeit up in Scotland um I think I could finish second um in Scotland but you know it's it's I don't know. I think you have to. You have to if that's what he's saying he needs. Because because otherwise, unless the unless the club are saying unless the club say well actually no we can't afford to do that, then why not? You know, give him give him give him the opportunity. Otherwise, you're always left wondering, aren't you? You know, if he turns up next season with the same, pretty much the same group of players, and we struggle, then he's what he's going to say is well I wasn't. I wasn't backed to to what I wanted in the transfer market to 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 do what I wanted with the team. Well, you say not not backed. I'm looking at the Premier League table here. We are below Crystal Palace, Southampton, Brentford, Brighton, and Newcastle, who were in mo- no man's land. How many thirty million pound wingers have Brentford got knocking around? How many thirty million pound strikers like Danny Ings? Have Brighton got in their side? Do have have Newcastle United signed a Philip Coutinho that I haven't noticed, or or, or have they got their their Brazilians, Joe Linton, who's doing probably a little bit better than I'm Brazilian at this point? Well, they have signed uh, Bruno Bruno for forty million, so he <laughs> and he's doing pretty well. well but yeah, even, I know even, I know what you're saying. Even so, Crystal Palace, what did they buy a lease for? Eight million? SA eighteen million? Their record signing Benteke, who we know all about, is, is on the bench. Palace aren't going around signing 20 million players, 25 million pound players. They're signing youth players mainly from the championship. They're above us in the league. Leeds, uh, Rafinha, probably their biggest buy. Again, 17, 18 million. Burnley have lost less games than us. They certainly don't have any 30 million pound wingers knocking around. 
I mean, is there not an argument, Andy, that you have to, as a manager and as a coach, I guess, you have to, there is some, some onus on you. Yes, you need your own players. Absolutely. We all accept that. But there has to be some onus on you to work with what you've got a little bit and also improve the players that you have under the under the roof. Yeah, I I, I do think that, and I think that's that's been the, the the disappointing aspect, I suppose, of 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 Steven Gerrard. I mean, it it has been, you know, a really underwhelming season, hasn't it? it there's no there's no getting away from that. Um, it's it's been it's been pretty pretty atrocious, um, and. But but I do think I do think you look at some of those clubs and and the you know the landscape is different, isn't it? The, the expectations are different. Um, you take you, you know someone that was as influential as Jack Grealish out of out of any team, and you, you you're gonna you're gonna struggle. You're gonna you know think things are gonna things are gonna be difficult for a while. They thought they'd done enough. Um, or they certainly tried to convince us that they'd done enough to replace him, and that obviously has been proved incorrect. You know, none of the players that we signed um, last summer are fit to, to fit to, to to lace Grealish's boots. You know, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have to give these things a bit of time, don't you? They've selected Gerard; he's got a good team with him. The coaches are highly thought of. Um, and I think Gerard is going to be a be a top draw manager, so I, I I'm prepared to give him. Um, you know, I said I said last week it's either you're giving him the tools to succeed or enough rope to hang himself, and you know that's a bit crude, but I think um, I think that's 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 what you have to do really. Um, you might end up correcting it in the middle of next season, but that's football. That's 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 part of what what um, the CEO and so on are there for. I mean, there has to be some brass neck on, on, on Gerard or any manager for that matter. I don't know that I could go into the boardroom at Aston Villa with a straight face when I'm below Brighton and Brentford. Brentford, who's just come up from the championship. Brentford also, you talk about replacing their best player. Brentford lose their best player every year, every single year for, for years upon years whether it be Ollie Watkins, Konza, Mope, Webster. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Ben Rama, for goodness sake, they lose their play- best player every year and they, 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 they spend a pittance. And here they are, duly promoted, clear of Aston Villa by three places in the Premier League. How in the hell do you go in as any manager, whether that's Dean Smith or Steven Gerrard, say, oh, I'm below Brentford because I don't have good enough players? I need to spend some more money. How, how do you do it with a straight face? No, I know, I know, I know. And, and when you put it like that, it's 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 a very compelling argument, isn't it? Um, you know, again, you know, maybe that maybe that does go back to the players as well. And you know, are they are they content with their with their individual performances this season? But but yeah, absolutely. That you know, there is. There is a case for that. Um, I still think we're in the teething stages of, of of Gerard, and until he is given the opportunity to 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 fix the hole in the roof, um, so his stained glass windows uh, can do their job, then uh, I think I think he's I think he's um, 
you've got to give him that chance. I, I said I said on our infamous group chat the other day that um, uh, I give him till this time next year, and I'll start judging him this time next year, depending on on, on where we are. The judgment may come sooner than that. Who knows? But I'm not one. For, I don't like changing managers. Uh, it's not I, I something don't either. That, that, I, that I like. I, I was actually I was actually thinking about the Villa managers that I wanted sacked in like the last ten years or so. It was only, I think, Bruce, Bruce and McLeish, off the top of my head, that I really wanted gone. I think Lambert as well. To be fair, I'd run out of time with Lambert, but uh, Smith, I would have given more time. Di Matteo, I would have given more time. Uh, Remy Gard, even I would have given more time. Um, I think that he wasn't necessarily. <laughs> I think, I think his 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 time would. Had passed once we got relegated in March or whatever it was. <laughs> but I think that Romy Gard was kind of set up. Uh, you know, I, I, I was, I didn't look at him as being responsible. Is what I'm saying. No, no, not I at think all. it was no. the likes of Gabby and, and Lescott decided they weren't playing for him, and 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 you know. But anyway, so I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not advocating for the removal of Stephen Gerrard either. By the way, um, I do believe, and I'll reiterate here because I'm, 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 I'm saying sounding contradictory. I do think he should be given some money. Uh, and I think he should be back to some extent. But I think, I think I, if I was Perslow and, and, and Stephen Gerrard, Gerrard was in my employ, I would say, you've got uh, you've got a thirty million pound Dali Ings, you've got a thirty million pound Buendia, you've got a hundred and ninety million pound whatever it was, uh, Philip Coutinho, uh, Stephen. I need to see a little bit more from you in these last seven games, so I can go to the board and I can go to to to, to Wes and Nasef and 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 vouch for you. Because at the moment I can't defend this, I can't defend yeah. you, Stephen. I can't defend these results. I can't defend this this fifteenth in the table behind newly promoted Brentford, the ragtag bunch at Brighton, Newcastle, of who have come from the the relegation zone. I didn't win something in their first thirteen games or something. Was it something mad like that? And they're well well clear of us, six points clear of us at this point. I I, I would say, Stephen, I can't defend this. So you need to show me something in these last seven games if you want that money. And I don't know, I don't think that's completely unreasonable. I was I was having a thought um, yesterday when you talk about these last few games. Um, in May, we have a run of, um, I think it's three home games in, I think, 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, consecutive home games. That could be very sticky for Gerard if those if those performances aren't good and there isn't really anything or, or we, forbid we don't get any points out of that that's going to be hard for him going into because the next game then would be um, Man City I believe the last game of the season that would be difficult end to the season I think and, and I think he has to um, try and put everything towards those those few games I mean hopefully you know, we're playing Norwich next, which we'll talk about, and Burnley away. Hopefully, we'll be, you know, up past forty points by then. Um, but even so, I think I think they need to they need to give the the home fans something um, decent in those last three games. Albeit yeah. one of the games is Liverpool, but certainly in the other two, you know, they've got to um, they've got to show something. I think um, otherwise that could be very very difficult. Um, for him. but I mean we've we've kind of uh, we've we've covered an awful lot there and um, I did want to just talk to you quickly about the second half well we won't talk about, about it much because not an awful lot happened but the one 
um, I think big thing that did happen in that second half was um, we were we were treated to a slightly longer um, cameo from from Tim Irogbenham, who came on to replace Douglas Louise with about twenty minutes to go. Um, even though Marvellous Nakamba was there, sort of he's awaiting sort of match minutes. I know he came on um, much later in the game. Um, but Gerard commented after the match that he believed Irogbenham. Uh, is ready to start and will um, almost certainly become a fixture in this first team. Um, did you see the positive signs um, that Gerard was alluding to, and um, and could we see more of them? And and, and hopefully, um, obviously, if we if we can solidify our Premier League status, do you think he might have have a part to play in the uh, in the last few games? I, I would hope so. I mean, he, he obviously it's it's a few minutes, but he looks so good. And also, I think that the, the most exciting thing about him is not only the kind of cool calmness on the ball, but also he has uh, uh, Tim Orogbuna. That is the kind of physical profile that we've really been lacking in the centre of, of the pitch. He's just a big young man, shall we say? Um, there was just there was a moment towards the end of the Leicester game where a ball went up. And uh, I think he was competing with Madison. Obviously, Madison, not exactly a giant himself. But he just rose like a salmon and headed it away. There was no contest. And I was like, <laughs> well, if that was Nakamba or, or Louise, just because of the physical attributes, that would have been more of a contested ball. And it might have been more of a 50-50, whereas there was just no chance. And it just reminded me a little bit of, of Mile Yedinak. Um, only in terms of physical stature, just that was the last time I think we had a big guy in defensive midfield and how he, he would win those first and second balls. And obviously Mille Yednak was at the end of the road when he was with us and he, he was he was creaking like a uh, like I creak after after six aside. But it just reminded me of that. I was like, oh, this is what it's like when you've got a, a player of good physical stature in the middle of the pitch because we've got a team of dwarfs, really, um, by and large. So that was really pleasing. And also... I mean, not not to go back to Gerard again, but Tim Orogbunum was on the bench against Wolves when McGinn cost us two goals. So it, it also had me scratching my head. I was like, well, what? why in the hell were you playing John McGinn in defensive midfield against Wolves two games ago where he's cost us two goals when you've got this lad available? So that made me scratch my head a little bit, but th- that's not necessarily a fair um, criticism. It is up to Gerard to 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 bring Tim on Carefully, you do have to be gentle with young players. He may not be ready to start a, a Premier League game um, emotionally, perhaps. Sometimes people can be ready physically before they're ready emotionally or ready technically before they're ready emotionally. So I'm not going to be too critical of that decision, but it, it, it was just a question that popped up in my head. But um, certainly, if this guy can can develop, maybe if we are signing a, a defensive midfielder finally, that is going to maybe stymie his uh tim's um opportunities so perhaps a loan spell in the championship for a year could could be good for him but in, in answer to your question andy yeah i'd once we get to 40 points which hopefully will happen on saturday against norwich i would love to see tim get two or three or four starts um just to get those premier league minutes in his in his legs because again they are they are gold dust and if if um if 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 he's going to be the player that we all hope he's going to be then um then let's get him some some Premier League minutes while we can. Let's let's get it into him. Let's get them get him developing. Yeah, and I think I think there is a case for this, isn't there? Where we've we we know what um, 
what Douglas Louise can do and to to a degree we know what what Nakamba can do um it's about kind of bringing these players players on and I do think as well and Gerard will know this as 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 being a young player cutting his teeth in the Premier League um before um there's no I'd say there's no such thing as a bad experience for a young player but it's all learning isn't it you know and I think sometimes we're terrified that we're going to traumatise these young players. They're going to have an absolute nightmare um, and they're going to sink without trace. And some of them will, you know, some of the, but but they probably would anyway. It's about finding those ones that, that have the, the kind of, um, you know, the, like you say, have that, that, that sort of emotional readiness, I suppose, to, to, to kind of take those, those, those bad experiences on the chin you know, we always think back to that. That that. Um, do you remember that Man United game in the nineties at the New Camp with against Barcelona um, when Ferguson, I think, picked about four or five of his youth players, um, and they got absolutely destroyed by Romario and Co. Um, but they those players went on to win multiple titles with United and formed the, 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 the backbone of their Premier League team for, for years to come. So probably won the um won the Champions League themselves in, in ninety nine as well. So you know I think I think sometimes we, we worry, don't we, that the oh the, the the players are not quite ready. They're gonna get absolutely skinned and they'll be you know, they'll never be able to to face the whole end again and, and all the rest of it. And I just think it's not not the case. I think a lot of these guys are very very strong, you know, and they, they, um, you know, they come through these tests, and if anything, it just shows where where they perhaps need their development to be focused. And I'm I'm very keen for these young players. I think the only reason we've not seen Chukwemeka more is is because um, of his contract situation. I'm sure if he'd have committed um, a bit longer to Aston Villa this season, he'd have, he'd have had far more opportunities in the first team. Because um, he was certainly heading that way before Christmas. So, well, to play devil's advocate, Andy, I, I might suggest if Aston Villa had committed to Carly Chokomenka and given him some minutes in a in a midfield which has been absolutely abject um, for large portions of the season, perhaps he may have decided to commit himself to Aston Villa. I mean, it's difficult because it's chicken and egg. Which, which way does it work? And we've had this conversation before. But for me, if I'm Chokomenka. And I'm thinking purely selfishly, this isn't one of the Ramsey brothers. This isn't uh, one of our youth players who's like grown up a fan, uh, sat on the whole end, been with us since he was six years old. This is a, an implant from um, a transplant, even from, from Northampton town. Um, so Carney doesn't have any kind of, any kind of built-in um, Allegiant. love for the <laughs> Aston, for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the team. So if I'm Carney Chokwemenka, and I'm seeing a team like Aston Villa badly struggle, badly struggle. I'm seeing players players not playing well, let's just put it like that, in my position. And I'm not getting a sniff. If I'm just thinking about my career, why in the hell am I going to sign a new deal when they're not giving me a, a chance, not giving me an opportunity in a team that's faltering badly? Um, one start this season for Carly Chokobenko in, in what was... What was supposed to be, you know, a, a, not a breakout season, but maybe kind of 
there was supposed to be parallels, I think, with Jacob Ramsey last year, where maybe he's going to start four or five games, have some substitute appearances, and, and then maybe be ready more next season. Uh, he started one game, which was at home to Brentford when we had a COVID outbreak. And that was way back under Dean Smith. Gerard hasn't started him once. So, and maybe that's fine. Maybe he's not ready to start. Uh, but the fact he's been on the bench every single game would suggest that he's he's of a standard to be at least involved. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. If I'm Kani Chokomenka or if I'm his agent, I'm saying don't sign for this team. This This manager doesn't trust you. Look how badly these players are playing ahead of you. Don't sign here because you're not going to play. He doesn't trust you now. He's certainly not going to play you when the team's good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a complex one, really, with him. I think, and the fact he is only 18 as well, you know, he's still got a lot of developing to do, hasn't he? And um, I think the, the fact is as well, you know, you just look at the balance of the squad, you know, he's an attacking midfielder. We're very heavy in that area, aren't we? In that area of the field. Um, whether he'd come into a, a number eight position um, and do the same, is, and he's certainly not a number six. So um, maybe the opportunities would have been limited anyway, but I think we... I, th- I, I don't know. It's up to the player at the end of the day. If he's got other opportunities, you know, particularly to go and play in Dortmund, um, which has been a you know, a very kind of um, fruitful pathway for young players, then fair enough, you know, it's up to him what he does with his career, isn't it, at the end of the day. And he's, he's certainly this season hasn't necessarily affected him that much. Um, and he has had some opportunities. He's just, he's fallen by the wayside, I think, because obviously, and, and for all we know, you know, maybe Gerard's been told not to pick him. If he's not gonna, if you know, if he's if he's if he's not gonna um, play, who who knows? I'm speculating there, but maybe someone has said, you know, let's let's give give um, opportunities to, to players that are actually um, uh, committed to the club. Maybe. Um, if if question for you, Andy, I'm 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 on one today. I tell you, <laughs> if this had been Dean Smith, not giving Carney a, a chance do you think there would have been some people a little questioning it a bit more like Dean Smith's going to lose one of our best prospects he's not playing him he's not giving him a chance the team's not doing very well do you think there would have been more speculation or am I just inventing that in my head I actually, more, not more scrutiny shall we say well I don't know I I, I felt um, actually and, and, and people might disagree with this but I actually felt that was one of Dean Smith's Blind spots was 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 actually trusting young players. I think he has done it um, at times, but um, I think Jacob Ramsey perhaps gave him no choice this season. But I think in the you know in in other cases, I'm I'm not convinced he's um, he he was always the right the right man in that situation. He would tend to go for the the experienced option, in my opinion, and maybe that's to do with the situations he's been in. You know, big. He's you know he had he had some huge huge games, didn't he? Um, uh, as Villa manager, in terms of promotion, and then obviously, you know, um, the survival season and and that sort of thing. So um, it's difficult to 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 rely on young players then. But yeah, I think he's actually. I think Gerard is far more open to it than uh, than, than Dean Smith, to be honest. And the fact that. He hasn't um, thrown Chukwemeka in a little bit more, 
must be to do with the the contract. And I think that's fair enough. I, I think that's 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 up to him. That's his call. Um, he's got other players. You know, he's not going to play Chukwemeka instead of Coutinho, is he? Or um, or even Buendia. So you know, it's it's. You could have played Grant Holt instead of Coutinho away at Leicester the other day. <laughs> Goodness me. Well, we'll get on to um, we'll we'll move on to Coutinho's. Uh, um, what should we say? Competitor, I suppose, uh, for his, his place in the team. And it's been one of the main, t- main talking points, really, since since the weekend, is the continued um, absence from the first 11 of uh, Emi Buendia, as the Argentine faces an uphill task of deplace, um, displacing uh, Philip Coutinho for that number 10 position. However, the debate seems to be between whether... I mean, whether it's Coutinho or whether it's whether it's um, Leon Bailey, um, and you know w- which position, which sorry, which formation Gerard Gerard reverts to, whether he goes back to the the two tens or kind of continues with that that front three or or the two up front and and one behind. Um, what are you What are your thoughts on on Buendia and where should he fit in? And based on really his overall performances this season. I think Brendia has been uh, pretty good for large parts of the season. I think he's also struggled for large parts of the season. I think he has created, as we talked about last week, a lot of chances for other players. And those chances have not always necessarily been converted. And obviously now he finds himself in the role of bit part player, uh, where he's having to try and make do something magical to justify his existence in 10-minute cameos. Um, so I think that Brendia is it, it does seem to be Buendia or Coutinho. The two number 10s doesn't work, and I do not advocate a return to that system. At least it doesn't work with these players, let's say that. Again, when Gerard gets his 10 players in in the summer, it might work a treat like it did in Scotland, or it might not, but we'll see. And um, uh, I think the only way you can play them both is in a 4-3-3 with Coutinho as a left winger and, uh, and Buendia as a right winger. But then you really do have some physical challenges in terms of them both being on the smaller side. Both of them have no kind of physical attributes, really, that will will help in terms of them being quick or strong. They're not going to win anything aerially. Um, neither of them are going to, you know, are flying wingers. They, they're not necessarily going to be able to get to the byline, beat beat a few players and whip one in. Um, you're relying then on, on technical forwards, forward play, interlinking. And then that's where Ollie Watkins is not so strong. <laughs> So it's like if 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 they're up front with like a Firmino, the three of them would probably do some magical things, and and the pace and the speed wouldn't be, wouldn't be, wouldn't be um, such an issue. But when they're trying to do slick, intricate things with with Watkins, I just don't think his awareness, of his first touch, is really good enough. I think we saw the best of Watkins against Leicester when he's running the channels, he's running at defenders, he's he's working hard, he's pressing from the front. That's Watkins' game. I don't think his name his game is being a a technical kind of um, track or Easter or anything, um, you know, a, a deep line, a, a false nine. You know, that's not that's not Watkins. You know, <laughs> the only thing that the, the, the closest thing Watkins has seen to a false nine was probably at Bingo. So the most important thing we have to think about is how do these players dovetail together? How do they work together? And um, and 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 will that system work? Now the the big debate, obviously, that's been raging this week, and I've seen that. Um, uh, John Percy did an article about about it. So clearly, there's there's there are some question marks about whether or not Philip Coutinho is going to be retained. And um, owing to these 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 no shows, I think 
it's 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 really it's really difficult for me to have any player, whether your name is Jack Grealish, Philip Coutinho, John McGinn's another one uh, 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 that is undroppable. Um, John McGinn has benefited, I think, under successive managers now from being played regardless of, of form. Uh, and even fitness, actually, when I think when he returned from his ankle injury, he wasn't even fit and, and, and Dean Smith was playing playing him and I, I didn't like that. So I don't like the fact that Coutinho, as good as he is, can play as badly as he's been playing, particularly away from home, and not get dropped for it. Coutinho should, by all rights, be dropped for the Norwich game and Buendia should start, but we know that's not going to happen. So Buendia is in between a rock and a hard place where the guy ahead of him can play as badly as you like and you're still not going to get a start unless it's in place of Bailey and then the whole system comes into question so I mean it's it's a really really tough one I'd like to think that players earn their shirt earn their place in the starting 11 based on 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 form and on form Coutinho should come out I think and Buendia should come in but if that's not going to happen then if you're if you're Emi Buendia and Coutinho is staying you probably have to consider your future ultimately, don't you? Whether or not, because I mean, what, what's the point? If you're, if I'm on a negative one today, because it's me, but if you're like, <laughs> if you're like, hey, Gerard's going to start this guy regardless of how he's playing. I'm never going to start unless he's injured or suspended or maybe in the cup. Is that the career I'm looking for at Aston Villa? Especially when I'm trying to go to the World Cup in, uh, in, in, at the end of the year, the calendar year that is. With Argentina, I need to be starting. I need to be playing Premier League games so I can get on that plane. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's a, it's a really tricky one. I, I totally agree with you. I, I I don't like the idea of having players in the squad that that, that or in the team that aren't um, that you can't leave out. Um, obviously, we had it with Jack Grealish. That was unthinkable. If he was if he was half fit, he should have been playing. You know, because because we needed him. But I don't think he ever played badly like well, Coutinho's playing. Like yeah. he had a period during Project Restart where he'd been perhaps up to up to some hijinks and wasn't fully fit. Um, but it was never this bad. Like Coutinho has had some real bad ones, particularly away yeah, from home. And I think, and I think that's true. I think it's, it, it is a tricky one because you kind of think, well, if you're the manager, um, I mean, I've seen, look, I've watched, well, we've all watched um, Buendia all season. Um, he's had periods out of the team. He has struggled to settle, I think. He's not been... Um, anywhere near as good as as we'd hoped, um, and that's even when he's when he has had his better performances. I think he's I think he's been disappointing as a signing, um, and I've, I think he struggled. He's just struggled to um, to really sort of make an impact and get that um, that attack sort of uh, functioning. He's he's got to be the fulcrum of that attack. He's got to be involved in everything, and he just isn't. And his his final ball um, is often really lacking. Um, I don't think he shoots particularly well. I don't think he's, you know, he's not a goal threat. Um, and yeah, some nice touches. And and I've I've kind of um, advocated him for him playing in a in a slightly deeper role because, you know, I think he's ferocious in the press. I think he's 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 a tough. A tough little competitor, and I think he's he's very skillful in 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 tight areas, and he's you know his passing's good, and I think he could be um, a really good midfielder. 
with the right players around him. We, we don't have players, I don't think, in that midfield good enough at the moment to support him. Um, but I'd never in a million years pick him ahead of Coutinho because even on a bad day, Coutinho is far more dangerous, in my opinion, than Buendia because he has to work far less hard to be to be excellent because he is that good. That's That's my opinion. I just think, you know... Buendia can, you know, could could walk around the pitch blindfold and and pull 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 some magic out and hit one from thirty five yards and it'll go in. You know, he's 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 just on a different level. He's just on a completely different planet to someone like Buendia. And in terms of the World Cup, I mean, you know, Coutinho will go to the World Cup. When he, there's there's no question. Buendia is on the fringes at best of that Argentina team. And uh, or squad even, you know, and um, he's done nothing this season to suggest um, that he would, you know, if I mean, if Coutinho wasn't available, then you'd pick him. But if you got Coutinho, why would you pick Wendy? It just doesn't make any sense to me at all, unless you play them together. Only, only, only because of, of the point I just made that I think there has to be a consequence when you play as badly. As as Coutinho played against against Leicester, I think it's good for morale to see that okay, if you don't play well and there's there's pressure on you to perform and that you're going to be out of the team for a game, and maybe you're not you know maybe Coutinho comes on you know uh, you know with thirty minutes to go and absolutely ravages Norwich and all's well with the world, um you know those tired Norwich legs are probably the last thing you want to see is a Coutinho coming on, but I just don't like the I just don't like the the concept that there's no one that's undroppable like. Like Guardiola would do it. Guardiola would uh, drop a Yaya Toure, <laughs> as good as he was. He'd drop Aguero to the bench. I know. I know we're not we're not swimming in those waters, Andy. But the principle must be for any squad, whether you're Sunday League or Premier League or Champions League. The premise for me, it's it's kind of a it's just kind of a, a, a almost a, a moral duty <laughs> that if someone is playing particularly badly, they should be removed from the team, and someone else should be given an opportunity. But I don't like, I just don't like the, the, the concept of it. And it's not a Coutinho thing. It's not about an individual. It's just the concept of it I don't like. I don't like it as an England fan when um, when, when certain players are stinking out the place and they've just been picked year on year for, um, you know, for, for name value, name identity, even though they weren't contributing towards the team. I think that's been England's downfall, not to go on a tangent, in so many tournaments where we're picking players on name value rather than form. So I don't. I just don't like it as a general thing, and this isn't a Coutinho thing. This is just a. Just I think that you have to earn the shirt, and if you're not playing well, you should be. You should be punished, dropped, not punished. <laughs> punished is a strong word, but anyway. I'm, I think there's a case for it. You get. You. you get I think the there's point. a case for it. I, I certainly think um, the last time we had this debate, um, and it, the debate was raging about whether Coutinho should be left out. I remember the point being made that he doesn't play well away from home and so maybe he should be rested this wasn't on our podcast this was a different podcast but the next home the next game was a home game and this is where we're at now isn't it so you're playing Norwich at Villa Park on Saturday Coutinho yeah you you feel like he's going to run riot don't you <laughs> it's it would be yeah, a, you do. it feels like a bad game to leave him out and yeah. as much as i mean i would personally i i i would i would possibly you know, pick pick the two of them on 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 Saturday because um, I think Buendia will want to certainly want to make an impact against his old club as well. Um, 
the other point I was making um, at the weekend, uh, and and I got I got pelters for it, was uh, that um, in terms of what we've seen this season, um, we've seen I think pretty much what Buendia has to offer. Um, he's played far more games. He's played thirty games or so, or been involved in thirty games. Um, whereas Bailey, um, who most people were angry about being in the side on on Saturday instead of Buendia, um has had a really difficult time with injury. And let's not forget, we paid thirty million for him as well. Um, and we need to be trying to get some some sort of you can't write someone off after a season where they've hardly played because of injury. That's that isn't fair. They need to be given their opportunity and. I think Bailey is going to be someone that that needs to play and needs to needs to build his fitness, build his match sharpness again, and um, and get confident again. And I think um, you got to you got to play him into form essentially. And and now is a good opportunity to do that. You know, we're not going to learn anything from from picking picking Buendia ahead of him, are we? Um, you know, so. I, I- I, I agree that Bailey needs Bailey needs a run as well. I do agree. I think that Bailey should play every game now for the rest of the season, as long as we're safe. Um, just because he needs a run of games, we need to see what we need to see what we've got here. I mean, twelve appear, twelve um, twelve. Um, I'm trying to look here. Seventeen, seventeen. That seems high. Seventeen appearances from Bailey, one goal, two assists. Not not wonderful, but probably you've got to say um, how many of those are from the bench. Probably ten of those seven appearances at least have to be from the bench. Um, there's not a, there's not a breakdown here, but um, you, you you do have you're absolutely right. We do have a big investment in this guy. I think we have to see what we've got, and hopefully we we have something. <laughs> with it. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be um, you know interesting to see how they juggle things towards the end of the season. Um, but I think. <laughs> They've got an embarrassment of riches, but of course, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we, you know, we've had problems with the defence, but of course, you know, in the attacking side as well, you know, as, as we pointed out, sort of two goals in the last five games. Um, it's not great when you consider the the personnel that we have at the top end of the field. Um, they should be, they should certainly be be doing better than that. Although I think the, the Spurs game was a... Well, I think Pookie's... Pookie's probably got more goals than that in the last five games on his own. <laughs> I think I think uh, the Spurs many. game was probably a bit of an outlier in that respect because we we probably we probably should have scored three or four in that game anyway. But um, I mean, these um, I mean, I think I think it's fair to say that that, that Gerard will be looking for another striker in the summer. Um, the, the Luis Suarez rumours um, are sticking around; they they keep resurfacing. Um, but how do you see? This attacking area, sort of now towards the end of the season, and, and obviously in the summer, Luis Suarez is a concern to me. In that I don't know if he is okay. finished or not. Now we did a really good work at Aston Villa, clearing the decks. Really necessary work with Steve Bruce and his dad's army. Um, I go back to um, the. The promotion season, I want to say that was 2018-19, is that right? We got promoted in 2018, did we? Yep, okay, so we got promoted in 2019. And those listeners with a uh, an acute memory like mine will remember that we really cleared the decks there. 
uh, Steve Bruce, Zia, Winus, yeah. Timoteo, who, yeah, whoever, whoever yeah. you want to blame, <laughs> had an absolute cluster muck of a squad. And poor Dean Smith was starting his first Premier League preseason with 13, 13 professional footballers, basically, on the books, three of which were goalkeepers which then took a t trolley dash in Belgium and, and Suso paid the price for that. I actually think Suso did well in retrospect, uh, uh, more hits than misses. Um, but anyway, I digress. The big problem Aston Villa had not so long ago was that we had an aging squad with no resale value and people on highly inflated, um, horrible contracts. Uh, the likes of, of, of Jednak, Whelan, um, these guys were on a fortune and they had no resale value whatsoever and they were not they were only declining not only in value but also in terms of football ability as they got towards the end of their career now my concern is if you if you sign Coutinho he is um he he is going to be highly expensive but he's probably worth it but once you're adding Dinia in another 29 30 year old they're only going to depreciate in value when they're at their highest earning years and then if you add Suarez and you add a couple of more, all of a sudden our squad is looking very, very bloated on wages, very, very bloated in terms of, 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 of age and very low in terms of resale value. And we know as Aston Villa fans how that movie ends and it doesn't end well. So I would have real alarm bells would be ringing for me if we, if we brought in Luis Suarez because um, of the, I do watch a bit of Spanish football, not a lot, but the Spanish football I've seen, the Luis Suarez that exists today is a a just a pale shadow of the guy that we know from the Premier League uh, tearing up for Liverpool, the guy in the Barcelona years, even the guy who first signed for for Atletico and, and helped win the uh, win the league for them, I think last season. So he has been really his 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 abilities have really been dulled by some, I think, chronic injuries. Um, and I would be, I think I would be disappointed if we signed Suarez for those reasons. And that's gonna, that's the headline now. Craig is disappointed that Villa signed Suarez. What's wrong with you? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, just because it's not the same Luis Suarez. This isn't the Luis Suarez that terrorized the Premier League. This is, this is an old man. I'll also be upset if we sign Pele, you know, be because, <laughs> yeah, big, 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 big name. But probably best days are behind him, for, you know. So it's you know obviously that's an extreme example, but you get the point. So, in terms of the structure, it was also a bit frightening for me <laughs> yeah. to see Steven Gerrard say, "Oh, we're not going to sign young players anymore." But I'm, I'm best days behind him. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> calmed by the fact that looking at the young, young, young lad at Marseille, Bubakar Kamara, yeah. uh, and, um, and 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 he's a, I think 22, yeah. 23. So I'm hoping that that was just kind of. Um, um, nonsense because you do need to sign a mixture of experience and and young players and Villa do probably need, need experience but in terms of attacking areas it goes back to the early conversation about Watkins if Gerard is going to go back to his new number 10 formation and he, he needs a different striker to Watkins because uh, Watkins I don't think has a technical ability to play that way with those two number 10s so uh, who's on the list Obviously, the, the 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 big one all Villa fans would want is is well not all Villa fans would want. I'll speak for us on this podcast. Podcast favorite Tammy Abraham, uh, also one of the lone players who left during that uh, aforementioned promotion season. Now the, the the ship may have sailed on Tammy Abraham, unfortunately. So 
this is where I suppose the recruitment guys have to come in and see who is available. Who can we get that can come in and 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 be that striker? Or is the striker is the striker Cameron Archer? I mean, I don't know, Andy, but yeah, for sure. I think Gerard wants a new number nine. He keeps saying that. He keeps banging that drum, which means for me, one of Ings or Watkins, Andy, if not both, but one of them for sure will be gone. And talk about taking a hit. I think obviously we'd make a profit on Watkins, happy days. But on Ings, it's going to be either a loan deal, but a massive, massive loss, which again is even more irksome. And I'll say it again, because Ings was out of contract in, in, in this year. We could have got him for nothing. And now we're looking at probably loaning him and taking on a portion of his wages. It's an absolute calamitous signing Um I mean, what do you see happening in a striker department, Andy? Ings gone, Watkins gone, start again, Archer. What's your thoughts? I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I do think, I mean, whether I did watch um, Cameron Archer last night playing for Preston and he, he, he struggled to be, to be, to be fair. Um, but it's, you know, it, that's a lot to do with the team performance as well, isn't it? Different teams give, give players different opportunities, but um I'd like to think that that Cameron Archer will be around the the first team squad next season, but I do think we we, we are going to need a um, a new centre forward. I think, and it'll be interesting. I think that you know, obviously, if I if I had a magic wand, it'd be Tammy Abraham. Um, but yeah, I think I think certainly if we were to make that kind of signing, the two the two current strikers both both have to go, and we have to. Um, uh, Get something back for for them at least. Um, I think I think Watkins we can probably um, fetch a bit of a profit on, um, and Ings, like you say, it's either a loan deal or um, maybe there's some some legs in the uh, the swap deal with Basuma. Um, but I mean, we, we're speculating heavily now, aren't we? Uh, on on this, and um, the only the only kind of. The, the strongest rumor I've, I've I've heard about any strikers is 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 Luis Suarez coming in, um, and uh, like you, I'd be a little bit skeptical about that personally. But we'll just have to see. And I think you know whether whether the, the, there is some uh, some mileage in in getting Bailey fit and 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 and, and Buendia maybe you know, and then being the, the stars of the show next year and maybe. Maybe after their first season out of the way, they might be, they might come come in and and and, and hit the ground running next season. Who knows? After a, a preseason um, with the manager, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but it's going to be an interesting summer. I I I keep going back to that. I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping for some some from plenty of activity. I think we, we hopefully will be will be doing uh, plenty of podcasting over the summer with the the arrivals and departures. Um, but we must move I, on. I to, a, sorry, uh, before we move on, I have a left field suggestion here. Uh, a player who has been largely forgotten about due to a wretched season with injuries. But a player who played up front for Leon and scored a hatful of goals, um, I think around 20 league goals in the season he played up front. A player with massive technical ability, a player that certainly can do those intricate uh, passes, would link up well with, with two number 10s. Not a conventional target man by any means. I, I might think that I might be a better header of the football than, than, than he is. But if you're keeping the ball on the deck and if you need someone to pull out a moment of magic, could you see... 
Bertrand Traore, I can't even say it without laughing, as a potential option for a Villa starting striker with those two number 10s alongside him? No. <laughs> no, I think he's gone. I think he'll go. I think I think he's um, he's done and dusted at Aston Villa. And I'm, yeah. He was good last season. He scored like seven goals. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, assists. absolutely. But it hasn't... And he's, he, again, he he's, he's, yeah. he's had injuries, hasn't he? And I mean, the only time he was fit really was to play in the African Cup of Nations um, where he did reasonably well. But I don't think he's going to be um, troubling the, the Aston Villa starting 11 or bench um, next season. I, again, I might be wrong, but I I can't see it myself. Uh, sorry to douse, uh, douse water on that that fire um that's it, 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 yeah it's fine i forgive you but we, we we must move on to this saturday and that sees the the return of popular former villa manager dean smith as he brings his doomed norwich city team back to villa park um his focus will be of course avoiding the drop at, at his old home uh, which if certain results um go against him it's a possibility uh, villa beat norwich 2-0 in the reverse fixture at Carrow Road. And, and whilst uh, Smith has managed to oversee a slight improvement in results since they are again certain to return to the championship next season, um, one would hope there'll be no sentiment from from Gerrard and, and Smith's former players. And whilst Dino will undoubtedly get a good reception, this is three points Gerrard will be desperately um, in need of uh, to start moving towards a more respectable league placing before the end of the season. Um, do you foresee any changes for this one? And, and could this be, in a way, the ultimate banana skin, um, especially kind of thinking back to what happened against Watford not too long ago? I think that it's interesting in terms of in terms of the kind of honeymoon period, I think, for, for Gerard, I think is is really well and truly over with with a reasonable section of the fan base. I would be interesting to to interested to see how the home fans in the stadium, which is the real barometer. I mean, Twitter is not the real barometer of Aston Villa fans. It is the fans in the stadium on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I would be interested to see, particularly after the um, the kind of forest of empty seats at the end of the Tottenham game, that if this were to go wrong for Gerard against Dean Smith's Norwich, I mean, there is this, this kind of narrative galore. You can have a narrative soup here in terms of the uh, the 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 all of the kind of subplots, and we've talked about some of them today in terms of Dean Smith, Stephen Gerrard, where they both are. Um, and, and ironically, the two men having some similar struggles, <laughs> it, it's fair to say, with, with, with this Aston Villa team. Good players, incoherent systems, vulnerable at the back, uh, conceding early goals. I mean, these are, these are, I could be talking about either manager here in terms of Dean Smith and, and, um, and Steven Gerrard. And I think it's ironic that, uh, that Steven Gerrard is now exactly in the same league position from which he inherited the uh, the, the team from Aston Villa, uh, from Dean Smith in the first place. So I think Dean Smith will get a good reception. I think that Norwich are awful. I've said this before on the podcast. I don't know what Dean Smith was thinking, taking that Norwich job. They were always doomed. It doesn't matter what he did. They are awful, awful, awful. Um, I think he's done well even to keep them competitive. I think they've got 21 points, uh, which is which is... 
I think really respectable for the for the players there. Honestly, I really do. I I, I think he's done a, a really decent job. Norwich are famous for um they 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 do this. I mean they they come up to the Premier League, they take the money and they go back to the championship. Then they come back and take the money, go back to the championship. They don't invest um and they don't really try and compete. And lots of people get very upset about that. But I think that's just Norwich's business model. Um I think if Dean Smith had hold, held on, Andy maybe he could have been in a sniff for a bigger job like an Everton or something like that but um, he didn't and it is what it is so Norwich will go down Dean Smith will go down and I hope we send them down I hope we give Norwich an absolute pasting I think that we I hope we build some goodwill build some form build some confidence and I hope that our big players come to the party for sure as you said Coutinho isn't going to be dropped despite that poor performance away at Leicester City maybe uh, Brendia comes in as well but I, I imagine Leon Bailey will keep his place and I think that we could give them an absolute hiding that takes us to 40 points if we can win three or four nil it, it gives the whole place a lift we know we're safe again for another Premier League season and it gives Gerard, Gerard that inter, input, impetus hopefully to move forward as I said earlier and then so he could turn around to 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 Perslow and, and, and the owners in the summer and say, give me this money. I do think he needs to finish a little bit higher than 15th, Gerard, um, just to kind of maintain that momentum and also just to attract players as well. Let's not forget every single Premier League position is worth approximately £3 million. So if we can finish, let's say, 11th or 12th rather than 15th, you know, that could potentially be a new signing for us, Andy. So really important that we we, we, we beat Norwich Send them back to the championship where they belong, um, and um, and and let's do it in style. But um, but if if it's a struggle, Andy, and if it's you know if it gets to sixty minutes and it's still nil nil, or or God forbid, Pookie, who I've spent half the podcast lambasting, pops up with a goal and and Villa are one nil down and, and toiling, it could it could very easily turn on Gerard. And that would be a bad omen because once they start turning, it's a big tanker, that Villa Park fan base. Once they start turning, it's very, very difficult to turn them back the right way. As you know, Andy, K2 Villa. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen it happen on several occasions, but I think I think you're right. I think they, they, they need to they need to get into them really, really quick and really hard early on and, and um, you know, really go for it and... Like you say, no sentiment. Just, just, just. If you know, if you need to, uh, you know, put them down. You know, five four five nil. Then, then that's what we need to do. But I think, like you say, and I mentioned earlier, those three games before the end of the season in quick succession at Villa Park, plus this one, this is where you you start to build that goodwill. Goodwill. Um, it's where you start to convince. You know, season ticket holders that are maybe not sure about the price increases and that sort of thing. You know, actually, we, you know, there is something to uh, to stick around for next season. There is, there is something in this. Uh, this manager does have something, and um, you know, things will be better next season. But like you say as well, who wants? Yeah, you don't want to finish fifteenth. You know, we're we're talking. Um, you know, having these conversations about Everton and Leeds and. Um, who's going to go down and and all this? And we're only we're sat, you know, two places above Everton. Admittedly, we're a lot a lot closer to to safety, but it's um, you know, it's it's when you're that close to to a team that's been that bad all season, it's uh, 
it brings things home, doesn't it? Um, puts things in perspective. But yeah, it'll be good to see. It'll be good to see Dean Smith. I hope he gets a good reception. Um, but I hope the whole end aren't singing his name rather than um, uh, Stephen Gerrard's come the end of the come the end of the game. Um, uh, I do remember. Do you remember that a few years ago when we played Norwich? Funny enough, last game of the season at Carrow Road. Um, McLeish's last game for Villa and uh, the Villa fans, I think, were singing Paul Lambert's name. He was Norwich manager at the time, and lo and behold, who turned up uh, a few weeks later? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was back when um, that was back when when uh, when when Lambert was was the hot new young thing. Him and Brendan Rodgers were kind of coming up together, and it was yeah. uh, are Villa going to get Rodgers or are we going to get uh, Lambert? I think we we got the wrong one in the end, but. Um, the it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that in terms of in terms of what you said last week, Andy, because you said last week about Dean Smith being one of the only managers that has gone on to get a, a, at least a Premier League job after leaving Aston Villa. We are a manager. We are a managerial graveyard, yeah. um, and 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 that and that is just fact. Look at where everyone has gone. Um, everyone has gone downwards. Even the great Martin O'Neill, I think, uh, you know, ended up at Sunderland. I think was his next job. Which is a, a quite a large step down. So, for Gerard, um, and and Gerard is Dean Smith is loved at Aston Villa. Dean Smith is still loved at Aston Villa. The the speaking of people turning, the the whole end had not turned on Dean Smith when he was sacked. He will get a nice reception. It'll be interesting to see how how Gerard how Gerard deals with that because certainly Stephen Gerard has not done the things yet because he hasn't had time. Everyone breathe. He hasn't done the things yet for Aston Villa. That Dean Smith has, and certainly Stephen Gerrard is not held in the same esteem, I would think, uh, with Aston Villa fans yet as Dean Smith is. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic for Gerrard as well, being on the touchline, knowing he is not loved as not as much as the man in the opposition dugout. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's always interesting to see. I, I remember a similar thing when when Graham Taylor came back um, with Watford um, a few years after he left and. Obviously, he eventually ended up taking the the, the Villa job again uh, later on. But yeah, interesting game, like you say, full of narrative. Um, Smith, Buendia, all these all these types of things. Um, but do you want to give me a prediction? I think we're going to smash them four nil. Four nil. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll go. I'll I'll go three one. Three one to Villa. I'd be happy with that. Um, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet at the moment. Although we did, we did at the weekend. In fairness, um, so yeah, I'll go three. I'll go three one. Um, but hopefully, um, everyone has a good day at Villa Park on Saturday, and uh, hopefully, we come away with the three points and get ourselves up to the forty point mark. Um, but thanks for joining me today, Craig, um, and thanks to everyone for listening. Um, we should be back next week um, to look back on the Norwich game and look ahead to Burnley away, um, the first of a bit of a double header against Burnley. And uh, I'm sure Everton fans will be cheering on Stephen Gerrard in those two games, um, which will be interesting. So we'll be back next week to uh, to go over that. Um, and like I say, um, always say go over to um, undergaslitlamp.com to check out the website and give us a follow on the on the social channels as well um and if you are going to villa park have a great day um until next week stay safe and up the villa <laughs>